Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome once again to Choreographers of War, your one-stop source for all things Harlequins in the war-torn worlds of Warhammer 40,000. As always, my name is Batty, and I'm once again joined by my co-hosts Rob and Gabe. Rob, say hi. Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. This is Gabe. Awesome. And Rob is going to introduce, we actually have a very fun special guest with us today. Rob, why don't you tell us who's joining us? Hi, everyone. We are welcoming Capt... <laughs> Cap Clinky, um... Captain Clanky, oh Captain, our Captain, who is uh, those of you from uh, who hang out on our Discord will recognize him. So uh, yeah, say hi everyone. Hey everybody, pleasure to be here. All right, and our first topic: the uh, the enemy of all elves everywhere, dwarfs. <laughs> Tale as old as time. Yes, rock and stone, more like. Sucking lame. Alright, guys, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> that was pretty bad, even for me. We're just gonna we're just gonna put this in the ground immediately, huh? Alright, got it. It's been fun, guys. <laughs> Alright, uh so squats, yeah, Votan! I am one one against uh I did two racks against a Votan player yesterday. Uh but it was on LVO terrain, specifically the Orc Battlefield, which I think favors them the least of the LVO terrain, I'm pretty sure. And, okay. uh... Because uh, that one has a pseudo-magic box in the center. Like, it has a couple windows, but they're higher up. Uh -huh. And so, yeah. like... Um... Although he did crush me our first game. Uh, it turns out those teleporting Terminators, they just ate a troop alive, and I was like... And then all the shooting, I thought I had screened men. I was not prepared for the alpha strike those guys can give out. Wow. You gotta be careful about the Votan, for sure. Like, you can't just be, like, throwing units away if they go first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's kind of their weakness on some of the LVO boards, is that they have magic boxes. And so you just hide in the magic box and they can't shoot you! It's crazy! <laughs> So is that a topic you want to talk about now, or you want to save that for a later segment? We're gonna we're gonna get into magic boxes later. <laughs> okay, that's totally fine. That's totally fine because I know we had a discussion about them briefly off mic, so I want I didn't know where yeah, you wanted to put it inside. Be yeah, those are gonna be in a yeah. few segments. Uh, okay. So the point is though, Votan scary high output damage, and with their teleportation shenanigans with those Terminators, you cannot leave a hole for them unless you're trying to invite them in really fast mm -hmm. with bikes too like um for the folks at home oh, the bikes yeah. pre-game move and then they move again and then their guns are 24 which is a whole map at that point uh so they can if they really want to conga line and like just block unit easy if you, if you are not harlequins um and it can as just it's a ton of pressure especially since they'll have at least two judgment tokens on your turn one between a strat and also the uh the cow giving up one out yeah, and uh, then there's the land fortresses. I haven't fought those yet, but they're scary. I... Uh, maybe not as much in the, the build I was running, but that's just luck on my part. <laughs> I wasn't building into them. It's because those beebs are terrifying. Although, yep. now they're kind of weird. They're broken. Um, Rules-wise, they don't work like the old Eldar beams, which is, I think that's what GW wants them to work like, is the, uh, the two Eldar beam weapons. But they screwed up the rules, and now it's not clear how they work at all. Fun times. Fun times. Yeah, that sounds like GW. When it came out with the, uh, <laughs> with the uh, FAQ, uh, the first thing I did was look up the secondary for killing things with uh, with, um, with squads and see if, you, if they would actually proc judgment tokens to themselves. And uh, unfortunately, they 
because it specifies an enemy. Because it would be pretty funny if you if they friendly fire, get a judgment token, and then if they don't kill themselves, they will actually you know lose VP for that and end the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I fought I fought a land fortress build. It was only one, but I was playing against it with an uh, imperial guard, and four demon wrestlers will take out a land fortress despite you know the iron master doing the thing. From the Harlequin perspective, I think they're really really tough to crack to the extent that it may not even be worth trying to commit to it. Like fusion guns, you're hitting on freeze. You're winning on fours. They have a four up save because you know they just do. And then on top of that, they'll blank your first shot. So you, we 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 only have like thirteen or so fusion guns. So even if you're just high rolling and just running them all in there, it's highly unlikely you actually kill it between a CP reroll, Iron Master, and other shenanigans. So it really just comes down to if they are a gun line, you're trying to pick your angles, you're trying to pick your fire lanes. And stay the hell away from them. Anything they see out in the open, I mean, we're we're already playing Harlequins, but we're extra extra dead just by being out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a question on that. I don't own enough boats to run this, but what about Void Weavers or Sky Weavers with a uh, haywire? I really don't think they do enough, mainly because like the Iron Master is what's really like messing with us right now. Like, uh, for the for for the people who are not don't who don't know the rules, the Iron Master is once per phase. They cancel out one instance of damage. So you can roll a last cannon shot, do d6 damage, or you can roll up a, sh a shadow sword from the god codex, do 12 damage to a land fortress, and, uh, and, a, and a full time <laughs> player is just like, nope, that's zero now. Good, see ya. And it's not the oh, yeah, first instance, it's any instance they choose. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't protect against mortal wounds it does from not. some weapons, but it'll protect even against like a fire prison piercing their invuln. I remember yep. uh, doing the math on that, and just like before their nerf, I literally like could not find a build that it like. To take out two HLFs in one turn at about a 50% chance required like 1,200 points of semi-dedicated anti-tank yeah. on Anari. It was ridiculous. Like That's a huge investment. Yeah. Now, now you're at least trading 50% down, which isn't too bad for shooting. Like, mm -hmm. even though you're also in that build, you would have been spending like four CP <laughs> for stats yeah. and rebuilds and stuff. I think bikes could be a comeback for, for the... Um for the Harlequin players if you have a lot of Guard and Votan in your locos because Guard yeah, and Votan don't have any ways to fall back and shoot on the vehicles. Votan players can fall mm -hmm. back and shoot on their core units which include the bikes which is huge for them and also the infantry yeah. but the land fortress if they are playing the game where they just put them on the line and they don't go first you can be like Phantasm my bikes go in I'll tag you my bikes will die from my beam weapons but you're spending a whole turn shooting at bikes and mm. that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That that's definitely a trade you take. I think our most efficient trade into them is, uh, as per with most things, the Twilight Troop Blob. Yep. I mean, being able to do that, proc those uh, auto wound mechanics, and just being able to almost guarantee twelve mortals. It does pretty much all the heavy lifting. Ah, right you there. can only get six though because they're a vehicle. Yeah, the embraces. The it embraces can. doesn't work on vehicles, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, it's similar to the Catan, where like you want to do something cheeky and get multiple phases, and you can't because they're. Uh... They do hate mortal wounds. Like Votan generally does hate mortal wounds. They have no mortal wound survival yeah. mechanics. So, I mean, of course, like, everything in the game, like mortal wound, is like the best form of damage right now. So, if you have a way to do it, you. Have to... I don't know. Flamers are pretty good sources of damage too. <laughs> <laughs> you can try to trap them. Like there, there are some things we need to do, but it's going to be. A, I think it's a matchup where it will be a lot of practice. So, you know, terrain types matter. The Votan players' uh, skills, skill, and also just their yeah, general deployment will matter a ton. Because holy shit, the moment they see you, they put one judgment. 
even even though sometimes our Harlequin vehicles can survive a ton of bullshit just by rolling fours and getting hot on the no rerolls trans hitman or minus yeah. hit, that will not work against Voltan. They're pretty much picking it up like 100% of the time because of judgment, their volume, and also just how efficient their weapons are. Just bypassing our uh, everything except our saves. Yeah. And it's only like two to three failed saves to kill one because all their damage is like two or three. Or four for those uh, crazy beams yep. on the HLFs. And also, like, the yeah. chain cannons, like, on the bikes. Uh, I'm assuming most meta builds have I a ton like of those. those. They have a ton of shots. It's like six or eight shots per. And, and Even the Sagittar have a bajillion shots. Right. And they're all, like, two damage. Yeah. And at least strength six. <laughs> but they're, like, low to medium AP, so they're really good into us. Yep. Elves in general hate strength six plus, low to medium AP. That's just, like... Yeah. No me gusta. Like, like mm -hmm. for some armies, we can just go for the, okay, fine, I'll put all my boats out, and then I'll see how many you can kill, and just play with what I have left, because you have to deal with me. Votan, you have to really strongly consider if that's the right play, because they have that efficiency to literally say, okay, I'll pick up everything I see, and just kill all your boats, and then that's not a sustainable way of, of trading. Like, some, yeah. some other armies, I can be like, okay, here's seven boats, uh, I think you'll kill three, but no more than three-ish, and then maybe four if you're lucky. Votan, I'm having very second thoughts just even thinking about like sticking more than two to like more than a boat or two out there because holy shit. Yeah, and Phantasm uh, has a lot more draw uh, yep. going forward with mm -hmm. Guard and Votan um, making more appearances in the competitive scene. It's going to be a lot more beneficial to just at least have that two CP where if you make a mistake in your deployment, you can pull the ripcord, yank some models off the board, and you know, guarantee that you don't eat that alpha strike. Yep, I think bikes. a lot of Harlequins are going to have to follow the Inari style, where you always keep two CP no matter what. Yeah. Phantasm. Like, you just don't build. You just accept you're not going to take... You want those extra relics or warlord traits, or even, you know, an extra patrol or something, you're just like, nope, not going to take it. I need the... You, Phantasm is just, like, that powerful now. You need that emergency button. Yeah. Especially if troops go up, uh, that that'll make a more compelling argument to bring more Skyweavers, anyways, uh, and and with not needing to take eight troop blobs or, or troop units, you really it's less compelling to try to take that extra detachment. It makes it a lot easier to save the CP. Yep, I I do think that it's going to be more experimentation of the of Oten and God matchups. Oten and God are shifting the meta in a big way. Centerpiece models, like big army units, like knights, are going to have a tough time in this meta, I think. And then for Harlequin players, it could very very well come down to the old, I'll get table, but I'll score better because we are just playing Harlequins. And that could be just how the approach is for a consistent winning strategy. Mm -hmm. That is the weakness of Votan. They don't score well. That's uh, I was playing Anari with the no Craftworld secondaries, which required me to uh, go back to... They made, they're, they're, they're horrible. They made me run a good list instead of my cheeky fluffy webway gate list with uh osterman so uh that's just rude i know right darn you flg making me run a good list instead of a cheeky fluffy list Ugh. they score well by Oops. killing you so a lot of it comes down to like literally yeah knowing... i literally spent my first two turns i i did do an alpha strike on turn one but when i won i just spent most of my first two turns positioning turn three i did have to take some shots but i got into position with a Shadow Seer protecting two troop blobs. And then spat everything out to finish the game to keep them from pushing into me, basically. And that was uh, that was key, was uh, 
I didn't have to play a little. It wasn't even aggressive. It was just like making sure I could keep them from getting the berserks into me. But also from positioning their berserks for, say, a turn four or five. Like, technically, they had a turn five charge or a turn four charge, but it didn't matter by that point. Like, you gotta really, excuse me, play defensively yep. and carefully in Devotan. Especially deployment. Like you ha And also, you had to factor in the uh, pregame move from the bikes and the normal move. With your advance, I, I don't know if they advance and shoot, but I think F4 strat, I think they can. So you have to be really careful because those guys are moving like 16 plus inches. And you have, yeah, you have to they advance six. Oh, right, that's the biggest advantage of running 18. soup right now is that you can get the rangers in or even striking scorpions or shroud runners, which can potentially, shroud runners, if you're going second, they, they get one bike squad to move and then you can block potentially two more bike squads moves or at least... Especially, like, rangers can infiltrate, so, because they can't come within nine inches of your units. So yep. it's this weird, it doesn't apply directly for harlequins, but for the armies that can have infiltrating units, like, scout sentinels, potentially, in guard, can do this shenanigans. Oh, scout sentinels are great. They... I'll get into an astral but I think every army yeah. starts <laughs> Just as another example of an army, like, I think the bikes may actually see some people playing to counter them. Like, even space marines can bring guys that can be, like, you know, infiltrating into the midboard. Like, a lot of armies... Maybe we'll see Nurglings in addition to Flamers. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Votan is one that We can sold. only dare to dream. Yeah, Votan Nurgling has meta. weaknesses. They are very strong, don't get me wrong. They deserve... They're at a 60%... They're over 60% yep. win rate last weekend. They deserve that. Like, they're very strong still. And, like, I, I love how people are now, like, Wow, those people who warned us about Votan being batshit crazy they strong are not were right. Slow. And I'm like, yes, I was right. Stop <laughs> telling people they are slow, guys. They're not slow at all. Have you seen these? They're not slow bikes? either. <laughs> there's like, 19, yes. there's like there's like max squads of them and they're running towards us, and then one guy has a four wounds, so your damage is really inefficient. Mm -hmm. And then the Sagittar even, like, get them the plus three inch inches from like they uh my friend was doing the same so he split one troop warrior squad one of the warrior squads between or hearthkin warriors i think they're called yep hearth guard hearth kit they're hearthkin for right. the basic ones right and hearth guard are yeah i think half guard on the terminators yeah so the hearthkin he started one squad in two sagittar then he has them get out turn one, but now they're in two squads of five instead of one squad of ten so he can more effectively tackle the board and then he immediately hops berserks into the sagittar so you can't shoot the berserks either realistically they start out of line of sight and then they hop into the transports to get wherever they need to be but it also extends their threat range by three inches just like our you know transports extend our threat range by three inches for melee yeah so i thought that was a really nasty combo like yeah, <laughs> he didn't start them in really them good. but it was almost more effective than starting them in them because he got to split the uh hearthkin for free basically into two squads of five yep. he he yeah combat squatted them basically and that was like really annoying he ended up with uh although i kind of i i ended up killing the one of the oh and their leaders have to have an extra wound generally speaking so you got to be careful about that um you got to attack in the right order with the right weapons mm -hmm. uh also postpone really quickly yeah, um that the troops have med packs which they will take because the lead mm -hmm. the squad leader is two two wounds so they will literally just blank shots uh, if you're trying to kill even the, the normal warriors without anything that's actually like of high volume. 
They can be surprisingly tanky because the Voltan player just allocate attacks onto the squad leader, blank them with med packs, and then take take the like you know four up armor or five up invo that they have if they're next to if they're next to characters. And you can't luck dice a wound into them. Like fate yep. dice work into them, but and miracle dice do, but luck dice don't. And then they'll spend D three points to resurrect. Sorry, they'll spend one CP to resurrect D three dudes. They'll resurrect the squad leader, and they'll keep doing that. They're surprisingly yeah, hard to kill. Ugh. They are. Uh, and, uh, even, like, the bikes and the berserks, like, uh, if they're a mirror, they can get the invuln on the berserks, which massively ups their, uh, durability. Have, have, have we, I think we've seen this before, right? Like, 5-up invuln, 5-up funeral pain in 8th edition. I think they were called, you know, plague bearers, or, or the poxwalkers, not the poxwalkers, but the, the, surprisingly they're annoying. More, they're basically old wolfen. Right. It's just they have a, instead of a 3-up invuln, they have a 5-up invuln, but they're cheaper, and... Hit way harder. They're stronger. <laughs> <laughs> so they can take more they... of them, and they can put them in trans... They're... They're, they're nasty, man. They're yep. nasty. <laughs> and I mean, even just their boulders are so much more dangerous. <clears throat> With auto-wounding yep. being such a widespread mechanic for mm -hmm. them, the fact that they don't... They're not rapid-fire. They're just always two shots. So they shoot kind of like Terminators. And all their Overwatch, then... too, with that auto-wounding. That was a surprise. Yep, they also have a strategy. And they mode. get AP. Yeah. They get AP on their bolters, which, considering how Xenos factions are so dominant in the meta, that's going to be a huge factor. Yeah. Like, AOC is important, we don't have AOC. but we don't get it. Tyranids don't get it. Yeah, like, I'm, I am so often now being put on my, uh, uh, I mean... We've we, aspect warrior saves are new, but so much in the game just puts you on your aspect warrior save because it's just usually just two AP is all that's needed to do that. And I mean, there's a lot. I I get that. That's why they added it was it's kind of an alternative to AOC. But man, AP man, it's just everywhere. <laughs> when I'm not playing clowns, I'm like, where'd all this AP come from? Because I just played clown. <laughs> I'll also very like quickly add that there is a shoot after being shot at strat uh, from the Votan to watch out for. Reactive reprisal, 1 CP on the, on the troops. Yeah, you CP can't otherwise. just ship shoot pistols at them right. randomly or throw you, a grenade or whatever. You shoot at them and then they get to shoot normally. <laughs> Although it does yeah, mean that they I can't shoot it... the next turn, but they're shooting on your turn, which means they'll shoot something that it hasn't activated yet and make you very sad. Yeah, I, I could not shoot my random ass pistols at them. I was like, no. Can't can't chip an extra cheeky wound off. Not gonna happen. Oh, and they so they're not big on their psychers right now, but they have a pretty good psychic power for durability. It gives them plus one toughness and a six plus feel no pain on I think warp charge six. Yep. They, to uh, a friendly unit. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, son. They also have a spell to regain <laughs> CP, and it doesn't stack. Oh, sorry, it stacks with the, any other benefits to get to regain CP. So they are, yeah, they're can't they CP. regain like f four CP in turn or something if they take the wizard? Yep. And they're the only wizard like that in the game. Or any other strat or psychic ability to regain a CP, that's that's it for the battle round. Yeah, except for guard. Guard, or not, I mean, I thought Imperial, and then my brain filled in guard. I meant Imperial Knights. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Knights can do the 4 CP in a turn, too, with their um, their one honor trait or something. But, yeah, uh, Votan can do that, too, now, as well. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty nifty. Uh, it does require them to take the wizard, though. I think the wizard's good, man. They just, just so much I do. free money on the table. They just, they just have so much good in their list, though. That's the problem is they have like one bad unit in their codex, and it's not even bad. It's just like not above par. Like everything else in that list, it, everything else in their codex is great. 
And then the Sagittar is like good, and then the other unit is like average. I don't even remember what they're called. They're like the guys who shoot sit in the back with the big gun. Oh, the Thunderkin. Yeah, the Thunderkin. They're like the Devastator Squad guys. Except, yeah, they're basically the Devastator Squad. <laughs> yeah, they're just Voltan. I want to watch for. They are very efficient. We don't know if any nerfs are coming. Like, who knows? Like, we have the new mission book coming in a, in a in a month. I think in January. Oh, it won't be played at LVO though. Okay. I checked last. I checked. LVO said they will not be playing a new mission book, and they will be playing with uh, Nephilim. That's the one to watch out for. If any secondary changes happen for any all-off actions. And also when a yeah. new uh, few menu comes out on rules points, because who knows if like if if it's if it's even enough time to like update the rules for Votan and then they reconsider it for the next book. Well, the good thing is though they're they're doing that digitally now, so yep. it will be actually based on the meta and not the meta six months ago. I'm so excited! Like, can we just like <laughs> give a shout out to GW for mostly not effing this up anymore? Like, yes, flamers. <laughs> like they've got the pat. Like they haven't like they fixed all their mistakes. And, like they started last November, so now it's been over a year of GW mostly fixing their mistakes, or at least kind of fixing. Let's, like they, they're let's getting not go better. too far. <laughs> they're getting but, better. Uh... They're <laughs> the meta is healing. <laughs> Although actually, they're, they're the meta better than they've ever Votan, been. Votan and Flamers are really driving the meta right now. But uh, speaking of driving the meta, what's our next meta driver going to be? It's going to be a guy. On top of a tank, shouting, oh, snap. drive me closer so I can hit them with my sword. A, a man with a horse. Oh. Or a man with a horse, yes. <laughs> um, I'll just get right to it. I've been playing, like, God was actually my first army uh, in, in, in fifth. So I've been, I actually have a God army on the shelf for the last few years uh, since I played Harlequins. And I haven't been doing <laughs> I mean, so hard in everyone's had a guard army on their, everyone's guard army has been on the shelf the last three right. years. So. And. <laughs> After playing six or seven games with them, I can confidently say that A, a real army, uh, B, they're a real threat, and C, they cannot be underestimated because they got a huge glow up uh, across just a lot of a lot of jank things that have been removed. They got really strong orders. They have really strong data sheets, and output in a shooting phase is extremely ludicrously deadly. Like they're basically going for the Russian way of just having like we just have more tanks than you. Sure, they don't shoot that great all of them. The main Terradines are freeze, and I have nine tanks, so you're not standing out in the open against these guys. Uh, to sum up what I think are the most, or what, like as I'll, I'll speak on to this on the front of the guards perspective and also the Harlequin perspective, but day one, without the new models, aka Lord Solar, Creed, Rough Riders, you'll probably see people just taking like six to seven or even eight tanks. Russes mm -hmm. for 170 points with the upgrades, extremely efficient shooting profiles, hitting on freeze with the main gun, you probably see the executioner a lot. D6 plus three shots, S8, AP4, two to three damage if it's overcharged. These guys are picking up terminators. Also, they have always dust for once uh, for a five point upgrade. So they have a two up safe. Sure, we are not playing with the AOC or assuming that's going away, but they have a two CP strat and minus one damage, and that stacks like thunder. Uh, this is going back to Thousand Suns, where you can have someone hit you with a two damage weapon. Suddenly you're saving but on. They they do their tank. Most of their tanks have a minus one a, or reduced AP. They have pseudo AOC, but only against damage one, right? Yeah, uh, you need to pay for an upgrade. That's the that's the that's the. Oh, okay, threat, yeah. it's an upgrade. So that's that that is really powerful when you stack the minus one damage strat because people were f like sending like melee stuff at me that are two damage because most melee weapons in this game I think I'm pretty sure it's two damage and then use minus one damage and it, you save one freeze. 
You know, that is still one of the little things I love about the fact that uh, uh, Harlequins are now two damage in melee. Like, yeah, AP 2 is a little on the weak side. Strength 4 is a little on the weak side. But that two damage, since we have a strat that brings yep. us up to three damage, means that you just can't reduce the Unless you have reduced all damage to one, which... Oh my god, what is it? That one Botan guy does? <laughs> <laughs> Back to Botan. Except for that guy. You can always do at least two damage to the enemy. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the by upping your damage tanks. by one. Very tough. 13 wounds. Um, all the tanks generally got plus one wound, which makes them really awkward, because most damage is three or four. Sorry, most yeah. two or three for like anti-tank, like three-ish. Yeah, it's wounds. like how the Wave Serpent is really hard to kill, because it's 13 wounds, and it has... Uh, at least at range, because it has... Right. Uh, 13 wounds instead of 12. And then some, and then they have a 1cp strat act on full brackets. So if you just leave a tank on 1, you're just like, nope, it's back to full. Um, and also, T8, 2-up save, surprisingly annoying to deal with once you factor all that in. And the fact that they have 8 of them. I don't I don't think people will be taking balance this day 1 because the tanks are just that efficient. I've seen lists with 11 tanks. Yeah, 11 tanks is funny. Where, uh, it's funny cause, because that is when you don't take Bond Soldiers, the auto-wounding mechanic. You can choose to take Vanquishers, which are the ignore invul guns. Because at a point where you're taking 11 tanks, you're basically gunning for the mirror or playing against um, playing against uh, Votan. And that's what you're trying to think of. And you take OPSEC 5 on, on, on the tanks and also the reroll one hit. So you can pick the Vanquisher cannons, like very reliable. Because the Vanquisher cannons are basically tower rail guns, and, but only one shot. <coughs> I'll also briefly talk about Scout Sentinels and Kazakin. Scout Sentinels infiltrate. That's number one. Number two, they move 12. There's a 1 CP strat for them to move 6 after shooting. So what I've been doing is, in addition to just blocking out oppo opponent uh, infiltrators, I've also just been sticking at 9 away from the opponent. If I go first, I will literally move them up and just tag, shoot, move 6 again, and then charge, because there's no restriction on not charging, and tag whatever it's gonna, like, my opponent's going to shoot, uh, uh, shoot with. It does mean that my opponent may charge my scout sentinel to prevent being shot at, and I, I typically just accept that, but that will give me more space to like tie up my opponent's resources for a turn, especially if it's called a land fortress, while I move up with my tanks. 45 points. Brilliant. Also, if I go second, God have a wall trick to redeploy for units and just yank it all the way back up. Uh, or kind of like uh, Votan, where they surprisingly like have a wide variety of strats. Yep. And mobility. Yeah. Like... It makes Eldar feel jealous, almost, because yep. it's like, that's supposed to be our thing, and these guys are, like, like leaving combat and shooting and all that jazz. I mean, they're not doing it on tanks, necessarily. Oh, oh, oh no, but like, the big... Botan can't do it on their tank, for example, but, like, there's a lot you can do in both of those factions. The big thing for... A redeploy on guard is really effective. Oh, the big thing on the tanks is that they now no longer shoot twice, but they move ten. And there's a tank order to move 12 and also advance and shoot. So for wow. those at home who have never played against Lehman Russes since like four years ago, <laughs> the opponent's Russes are no longer moving 5 and like getting the shittiest angle possible. They're moving 13, <laughs> 14, 15 and getting angles previously god players have never dreamed of. They are, they're literally <laughs> way fucking faster and it changes the game for them. Because previously you're like, oh shit, if I move only like 5, I shoot twice but I see this like, you know, crummy model. But now I'm moving 15... I'm seeing a backline, potentially, after I redeploy. That's that's a big one. I think people will not be used to it, because they're used to seeing Russes move so slowly. But now, mm. moving like an average of 15, they can get to the midfield, they can touch a ruin, and they see straight into you with their battle tanks and also their, their executioner tanks. 
Uh, I also con- that would one hundred percent catch me unawares. Conversely, uh, move, move, move. I, I agree with you. Also got change. Um, it no longer moves twice because the guardsmen were literally the fastest infantry model in the game. When they when they can move up to twenty four, they now move eight if they advance. Sorry, if they move, they move eight, but they can advance auto six, so they move fourteen. Once again, also great because it's now way more defined for a competitive player how exactly how much they will move. But also, it makes more sense that the tanks should move faster than the infantry and not the other way around. Yeah, no, exactly. It feels weird that your guy can run faster than a tank. That added mobility on the tanks combined with how much more efficient they yep. are. Uh, now that they've got an updated profile, it's going to be really, really, really tricky to try to balance once guard players can adapt to not having to play sort of a, that static gun line and keep their tanks very safe all the time, but they can actually throw them up there and risk them and you know block off an objective and say, cool, here's 13 wounds at T8, 2 plus armor save, try to kick them off. And, and that's going to just it's going to throw the meta for a big loop to see a shooting army that's moving that fast yeah. and able to play that board control game. Absolutely. And also very willing to trade. Um, I think guard players no longer have to be afraid of the tanks dying when they're taking so many of them. And your opponent, everyone has anti-tank, but do you have enough anti-tank to kill free Lehman Russes in a turn reliably? Probably not. Yeah. That's, that's a big a difference between uh, the guard and how why I think the guard are actually going to be a bigger threat to the meta than Votan. With the points nerfs to squats, you just you can't really afford to play a trading game. They're too expensive and too elite. But with guard, you're getting almost as effective a defensive profile, but you're going to be able to keep the numbers and be able to just flood the board and say, okay, even if you've got the output to be able to deal huge amounts of damage, I've got 15, 16 units on the board. Like, each unit is still only going to be picking up one a turn. So, mm -hmm. uh, at the most, how are you going to take all of these units off and be able to c retain that, that board control? I think is an interesting part of Skyweavers, actually. Haywire Skyweavers with uh, uh, Glaives are good in the... They can take out almost... Okay, I think it takes ten of them to take out two and a half tanks per turn, basically. If you can get them into melee. A big, a big one, a big counter for the Harlequin players is that you still want to attack tanks. Like, tanks can shoot off combat with the blast weapon. You still want to attack them because when they do shoot, they still suffer the minus one for, um, for just shooting in, in off combat with a heavy weapon. Um, so the main turret when shooting off combat on a full bracket is hitting on fours. We're playing Harlequins. We have minus one to hit, so they're hitting on fives. And that's just way better than them hitting on fours. Not normally, anyway. So you still want to tag them because A, it traffic jams them. B, it makes them way more efficient. The, the sponsons hit on fives and sixes against us. And the moment we bracket them, unless they spend a one CP to act on full, they're hitting on fives and sixes on all, all their guns, pretty much. So you still want to tag them, and it just really annoys them and takes away their mobility. Same with Votan. Uh, it's even more deadly in Votan because God can shoot off combat, but bikes suddenly really interesting maybe they can't kill it with a haywire and you, maybe you want to not go too crazy on a haywire because god uh, the damage free and wound free doesn't really mix when your opponent gets a shooter with the bikes but just even tagging these units will go a long way to executing a harlequin game plan especially because it's really hard to fit 11 of them in the deployment zone and not get and not let you tag multiple if you get a charge off yeah, it definitely makes a big difference. And that's a very good point that you bring up about the turrets. Um, the turret is, if I'm correct, plus one to hit. Yep. And it's still a base ballistic skill of four. Yes. Which means 
you can stack that multiple penalties to hit in order to get them down to hitting on a five up. Yep, and then a six right. up. They're, even they're not a ballistic skill. They're not a ballistic skill three unit with the turret. Yep, that can can only be reduced to that four. So that will be very very influential when it comes to. I mean, even just using dense cover uh, with Harlequins, stacking multiples to just try to nip that that killing potential out of the tanks and out of the Lehman Rosses. No, exactly. Like uh. They have a lot of shots, but if with the minuses, if they're hitting on fives and sixes, you have a chance. I'll also just briefly touch on. I know I'm running on a rant. Um, I'll briefly touch on <laughs> Kazakin. Okay. Uh, Kazakin are extremely bonkers. They are guardsmen. They're Acadian elite guardsmen, and they have a rule where, as long as your army doesn't have a regimental trait, they can get an extra one. So in addition to getting the regimental trait, which most people will take as bond soldiers, which is sixes to hit, auto wound. They can get, choose one from a long list of other ones. And the best ones right now are, A, uh, the entire squad ignores cover, uh, both light and dense. And, and another, another one people are considering is uh, increased range on all their guns. And another one is going to be disembark from a vehicle after it has moved. Kazukin are insane because there's a strat in the game for God where it's fives and sixes to hit auto wound. This is going to sound really familiar. I think Votan have this. Uh, <laughs> and also there's another strat for another CP where... Every time you count as every time you wound roll on a six, you do a mortal wound up to six. So let me just put it all together. Every five to six to hit counts as a six to wound, and then every time you do that, you do a mortal wound. So a third of your shots auto wound and do a mortal wound up to a max of six. Kazukin, when order two of first rank fire, second rank fire, actually has thirty shots. So of the thirty shots. 10 of them auto-wound before rerolls, and you're already basically guaranteed a 6 model wound cap. So you're, you're basically passing your opponent roughly 17 saves and 6 model wounds from one unit. Pretty insane. It gets even nuttier when you factor in uh, Lord Solar, who is the unreleased... Isn't uh, the big thing of Kazakin, they can hit multiple units and do that much Exactly. So they, they, they're 6 per unit. So yep. They can potentially do... I've heard they can pretty reliably do 18. Yes, the strat, uh, the strat says that the model wound damage is capped to the unit targeted, so the guard, the guard player is very incentivized to split if they are in a lower risk situation where they don't need to like guarantee something is dead. It gets to 18 model wounds when you factor in Lord Solar rerolls. Lord Solar is basically chapter master uh, rerolls. However, if it's affecting a core unit, they also get full wound rerolls as well. So the Kazakin are core, so they're rerolling hits and wounds. And you can just split your 30 shots, 10, 10, 10. You can do it. I, I did the math. Uh, you can sh they have the shots to allocate it that way. And you can very reliably, after just allocating 10 shots each, do six mortal wounds to three targets. Um, I had a friend of a friend who was doing a master's in math. I you know, gave him the stats, and he crunched it for me. It's around 62% chance to do six mortal wounds on one squad score every time you shoot with 10 shots. And of course, like the question then becomes like, okay, this thing, this, this thing has enough munitions to kill God, but how do we deliver it? God have Veil of Darkness in their book. Uh, God have a, have a relic where they can instantly pick up a squad and redeploy it anywhere, nine away, traditional Deep Strike style. So if your opponent even leaves a gap, games can end in one turn where you just, I have a gap, I have three things I want to shoot at, let me just kill them on turn one. You wow. have to be very careful about your positioning because Veil of Darkness like abilities 
is generally a trap to use in turn one because they get they get they scale exponentially into the late game. The moment you start losing resources, you start being able unable to plug in the gaps. This unit just comes in and just murders anything it sees. But the turn one potential is still there. You can turn one respectively, put your guys nine away, make a wall, shoot something down, and still feel good about it. And this is why I uh, I wanted to kind of cut off that whole. Uh... Pats on the backs for the Games Workshop balance team. <laughs> because while they've been doing better than they've ever done, we are seeing yet another uh, hits counting as sixes to wound, which every single time it comes up is a disaster. It's going to destroy the balance and has to get changed almost immediately in order for the factions to be functional again. And the fact that it can be used to such insanely efficient uh, effect from a hundred point core unit is uh, it's the only thing about this codex that I'm truly yeah not excited to see at all it's mm -hmm. truly the only thing I see in a book that's like downright like oh shit you know maybe they just didn't intend for it to be like this and I'm, I'm, I, for everyone at home out there, like remember, if you stack eleven buffs on a unit, they're going to be insane. And Kazakin, for whatever reason, are a unit you can stack eleven buffs on. It's just too easy and too efficient for them to. It's the flamer problem, right? It's not that flamers are necessarily too powerful. It's that they're so cheap for their power that they always trade up, usually for I double mean, isn't or the better. Same as too powerful though. It's powerful. How powerful you are? Too powerful is a per point thing. I would say. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They're too efficient, so they just need to either be costed effectively, or they need to have their power reduced. Games Workshop has shown a heavy reticence to kind of strip power away from units in recent times, preferring to stick to points nerfs, which I think is pretty, it, it, in general, is a good call. Yeah, I think uh, points are a good lever. They should be using, hopefully, I hope next year they're going to start using points four times a year. Like, maybe hit us by the fall with a uh, uh, switch to doing it whenever they do a balance slate. Yeah, exactly. The only real wound, or sorry, the only real rule issue with this book that I've seen in you know cursory glances and chatting about it uh, is just that sixes to hit causing sixes to wound. It's a bad mechanic. It breaks the balance the game is based off of. Stop doing it. Just, just stop. Just stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Hail of Doom, once it was nerfed, was actually really good. Really fine, balance-wise. Like, Eldar could be buffed a little, and I think Hail of Doom would be fine now that it's all-consuming, for example. I think the issue is more that... Uh, I mean, Votan has more interactions with the uh, Sixes to Wound does something. Um, yeah, Votan has a lot of interactions. And the well, God is the model wound, and I can see them only changing the strat to say, like, the strat only does six model wounds, period. Like, doesn't matter how much you split fire or whatever. They only does six model wounds, period. I can see them doing that. Mm -hmm. I, I Mainly because I felt like they did do... The, I, I'm very certain... I'm almost certain that when they were drafting this book for the God... There were more things that the Sixes to Wound did. Like, I'm pretty sure. This is the only one where the strat says, like, yeah, you know, you can go nuts with it. I mean, of course, there's some crazy meme build out there where you take as many snipers as you can and try to, like, go for that, you know, oh, look, you take a mortal wound because it's a Sixes to Wound. But this is the only one I see in of, um, in God versus Votan where there are multiple rules that stack with the Sixes to Wound does something. And in Eldar, naturally, they have Shuriken, so it's a huge bonus, like, army-wide to just always be Sixes to Wounding. Most of the time, when you're getting shot by God, like, 
it's mainly going to be AP zero with last guns or AP four with executioners, and there's nothing much in between. Yeah. I can see why they attempted to introduce this. I'm not happy with it because I like Fortan. You see them like you just roll the head roll and they're like, oh, you're dead. But I really, I feel like they have left that. Like you know, they opened, they, they popped the genie off the bottle, and now they're just wondering what the heck they're gonna do about it. That could be a, that could definitely be it. I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Um, there's definitely there is a genie and it's out of the bottle now. That is very true. Um, uh, I think a big. What does that mean? Right. I, I do think a big like, part about Kazakin and Flamers is that they also have the extreme speed to actually deploy the damage they, wherever they want, pretty much. Like, we have crazy, like, um, giant Death Star shooting units that exist in the game, but people are hiding behind terrain, they are using uh, cover, they're basically positioning to account for that. But Kazakin and Flamers, with their extremely high mobility with Kazakin when they redeploy, or Flamers because they move 12 in advance, are also Deep Strike, it becomes way harder to try to ignore that damage when you know that the moment you make one mistake, Boom, you know, they show up and they do their, like, 36 shots. It doesn't even take a mistake. Right. You're, right. You're just playing the game. You either stay castled, yeah. blocking off all the holes in your deployment, or you actually expand into the board and try to yeah, just, take board control. Right, just playing the game. Your opponent doesn't have to deep shoot the flamers into turn three. Yeah, it's actually been weird. I've been thinking I may start planning to phantasm more often and keep one of my falcons on the board and then just throw it in deep strike if i am going first because like i may need to deep i may need it to shield part of my uh deployment zone against uh shenanigans <laughs> the only I counterplay mean, to yeah. the kazakin even votan have shenanigans with their terminators those aren't like exactly yeah. on huge bases and they're often in squads of eight instead of ten so they can fit in surprisingly small areas i found the only counterplay to Kazakin combo I found is that uh, they, are, they, they lose four sh uh, they lose four shots <laughs> with the rapid fire guns if you out, uh, if you like screen them out so you can make them and also they lose another for the pistol so you can make them lose five shots and then you pray and hope that works out. Just twenty five. Yeah, just uh, twenty five is the Twenty five shots with full rerolls, hitting and wounding. Uh, also, Lord Solar is not out yet, so enjoy the twenty five shots until <laughs> for now. There are a lot more nuances in the book, like how Lord Solar can order um, app humans like Bogren, Ogren, Rattlings, and so on. There are a lot of deeper interactions with the orders, but at least for the time being, just like off the bat using existing models. If you, ha if you own Kazurkin, the OG ones, you should be taking 20 of them. And also as many Russes as you can fit. <laughs> I do hope that they fix this uh, very quickly before the Kazurkin combo. Yep. Uh, the full power puts a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah, because I feel really bad for a lot of people that try to start a faction out of passion. Like a, a ton of people yeah, did like pick up leagues of Votan. Exact people yeah, that have been playing. Even I'm like space dwarves are really cool. I have a heart. I have a special place in my heart for elves and they dwarves. are super cool. And there's nothing worse than someone who isn't a power gamer and isn't a meta chaser yep. and who is just excited to play their faction and then someone plays a game or reads on the internet like a great example is old crisis suits they were super oppressive and people that wanted to bring you know 18 crisis suits or 15 crisis suits were looked at as these power gaming cheesy yeah. win at all cost guys when a lot of them were just a bunch of dudes that liked the sweet robot suit Tau. Yeah. They just loved the faction. They loved the aesthetic. 
And because one unit was left overpowered with bad combos for too long, everybody got this super negative taste and it, it almost turns into kind of bullying of right. the players that are just trying to have fun. And so I hope not because I don't want the guard to have powerful combinations and I don't want them to succeed. I do. I want them. They've waited long enough. They deserve some time in the sun. I just don't want to see, you know, one or two combos that's so powerful that it gives everyone a bad taste yeah. yep. and it taints the community and taints the pool for all the other guard players. Because they deserve to be played. More. It's, uh, so that that's basically my only real hang up and it's the only reason why i harp on that whole six sixes to hit cause sixes yep. to wounds with the mortal stratagems and everything because we need that to go away almost before release just to make sure that we don't poison the well and these guard players get an opportunity to be to have the fun that they've been waiting years for yeah <laughs> and enjoy their literally. shiny new toys yeah, I, I literally could not agree with you more. Mm -hmm. that those but Votan hadn't won a tournament in 30 years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been talking. Like, <laughs> I, I know we've been talking a lot about God. Just to say one thing before we segue into our next topic, because this one impacts Harlequin players. Um, mortars are real, unfortunately. Um, the D6 shots in direct strength five, AP zero, D one. With the, are they? I, I thought they were. Are they not strength six? They're not strength six. They're strength six if you order them with Creed, uh, Ursula Creed, and you're oh, okay. Creed model. Oh, okay. That's how they they go strength, and and they can get AP one if they're ordered as well. Yes, right? they get plus one to hit and AP one, and suddenly, like if you if you play Elder, you start having some concerns because mortars are a very cheap. They're fifty five points for three of them in a heavy weapon slot, and right now for guard players, they're basically trying to optimize the heavy weapon slots. Like, do I take more tanks? Do I take some mortars? <laughs> However, you can also take them in infantry squads. So what I've been doing is I take free infantry squads for free mortars because you can only have one per uh, per unit and then i have free mortars and heavy weapons team and that is going to be 66 indirect i don't have creed so it's only s5 but i know that if i'm shooting at aspect warriors my opponent is going to be very very unhappy do they take the wound on the exoc because they have multiple wounds however when the mo when the exoc dies there's a lot of power gone or do i kill what take the wounds on the one wound models which are well you've been playing them have you been playing them with the data slate or counting on the data slate going away going away so i'm hitting on fours re-rolling ones to hit and re-rolling ones to win uh because after they go to they go to bs5 um after the uh, considering the indirect nerf and then you give them plus one to hit for four ops so the the right. so here's the thing elder players can lightning fast and go make make it go back up to fives but god have a relic that says ignore wound caps ignore funeral pains ignore hit modifiers and you stick them all the way in the back with all the guys and the mortars. And they go back to hitting on fours. And mortar fire hitting on fours is enough that over time, over two to three turns, your aspect warrior squads, your harlequin troop squads, will start looking very, very small. So that's one to watch out for. And, I'm, and because of how efficient they are, I can see them in every single list because it's a very small cost to pay to make the Aldari matchup a lot easier for God. And there, it's definitely going to be a very tough matchup. Anything with uh, lots of effective shooting, lots of highly mobile melee threats, um, it's going to be really, really tough for even for the new guard codex. So having a cheap way to kind of mitigate that matchup is going to be yep. pretty important. Because 
a lot of players will be like, okay, God can shoot me if the moment I walk out of my cover. So let me just play a 3D game, right? I'm playing out, I can send my guys out, I'll score some points, I'll kill something, I'll hold an objective. And then God says like, okay, you can do that, but the longer you wait, you know, the smaller your resources are going to be as, as I dwindle your aspect warriors or your troop squads over time. I do think that, I haven't tested the matchup, I do think Harlequins just want to go fast, tag things, and just try to keep, like, have unrelenting pressure. Because the moment the game slows down, the game is going to be in a god player's flavor because they are the ones setting up the angles. They they want some time to set up the angles. They want some time to shoot and direct at you. They want some time to score their points because their points are also very passive. And I think the Harlequin players have to go in and say, "I'm going to shut that down as soon as possible." Yes, I definitely agree with you there. And they do have very strong secondaries that are going to support everything that they already yep. want to be doing with their army and and synergy of your secondaries with your army and with your play style is almost more important than just having good secondaries. Definitely. Um, but yeah, if you're a Harlequin player, this is one to watch. Um, those spikes are looking ex extra, extra attractive right now. So adapt based on your meta and, and look forward and just, you know, watch out for the motors. It'll be very concerning considering uh, to my, my joy, Twilight is becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, in large part, I would say, thanks to Jack Harpster mm -hmm. telling everyone how good they were. They are good. Uh, and so with that reliance on, you know, 10 to 12 man squads, things like mortars are going to be really, really vicious. I know whenever I play, I generally will leave you know, one or two of those squads just tucked in behind cover somewhere. But having access, wide access to indirect showing up in the meta again, uh, it's going to make that a lot harder to do because that's just a no-brainer target. Yep. Same with sisters. Like, Repentia, suddenly they're like, okay, maybe I need, I need to buy a rhino. <laughs> yes. I mean, let, let's hope that we get to see a rhino meta. <laughs> I mean, there was definitely uh, on TTS, so this was when, during COVID, there were actually uh, a few points, there was definitely a point where with the old uh, sister codex, rhinos were pretty popular. Fun fact, so there was a rhino meta. It just never existed in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> from, my understanding, COVID. from my understanding, the only DG meta is the rhino meta for the Death Cup players. <laughs> and they're actually pretty good without the rhinos. I mean, they're not amazing. They do yeah. suffer from... They're at best a mid-table army, unfortunately. But I mean, I, I, I'm kind of biased because I've Don Hoosen in my local meta, so that's like... <laughs> Right, playing right. against Death Guard on hard mode. <laughs> like, like you show up to a tournament, you're you're like maybe four, like three or four. Round and one and, is and, Don Hoosin. And, and imagine like, Death Guard. Gosh darn it! Like not his death. He totally ruined me. So I didn't know how to play. Uh, uh I was doing player place terrain wrong. It turned out you have to do it in between the. Uh... And speaking of player place terrain, uh, LVO, we're gonna talk about that next. Um, so, uh, player place terrain. For those who don't know, um, the rule for FLG style is that you do it, uh, each player places their pieces. They can only place them on their side, where their side is defined as you go to the halfway point between each deployment zone. And that's from your the back of your deployment zone to the halfway point towards the opponent's deployment zone is your side. Um, you can't place any building within four inches of the edge, or any piece of terrain within four inches of the edge, or four inches of another piece, but there are bigger pieces, which oftentimes have to be placed six inches apart to allow things like knights to get through. 
Um, and those are things like El Nova Elves and uh, but uh, FLG, for example, has their orc table, which has a big building in the middle, and that has special rules. Uh, so if there's no objective in the middle, the building just counts as the defender's first placement and sits there. But if there is an objective in the middle, it has to be moved wholly. The building has to be moved onto the defender's side of the board. Um, yeah, and so actually that orc building, I think I mentioned it earlier, is a pseudo-magic box in the middle because it has windows, but they're kind of on more the second floor, from what I can tell, based upon looking at pictures and stuff and playing with a digital version of it that's supposed to be accurate. So it's not technically a magic box, but most infantry you can't see from the second floor. Yeah, you need to be, windows. like, night-sized to look down into it. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the issue. So it's like a magic box in the center of the battlefield which is pretty powerful. Uh, Do you care to explain what magic box means for some of our yes. listeners who might not so understand? So magic box is a breachable ruin with no uh, windows or uh, doors, so only infantry can get inside. Um, some magic boxes, though, have roofs which can come off, so flying units can get inside, like mm -hmm. flying jet bikes and stuff. I don't think tanks are allowed inside, generally speaking. Generally speaking, the best they don't fit yeah. But, so sometimes jet bikes can get inside. Because of fly. But yeah. basically you can't shoot them, and they can shoot, they can, uh, come out and beat you up in melee. They're really great stopping points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very strong. <laughs> and God forbid you're able to find one near an objective that needs to be held? Yeah, then you just basically own the objective. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Melee I actually focus. have a story about that from back in 8th edition. Yeah. Fast-ish melee armies that are on foot love it. So elves love player place terrain in general. It's similar to uh, how elves love USO terrain. Yep. Except it's generally yeah. even more abusable. So It's also going to really favor Blood Angels. They're actually gonna yeah, have a Blood Angels, for example, love it too. That's a good point. Like, any fast melee armies. So, like, Drukhari, Blood Angels, uh, some types of Tyranids. Because I think, uh, what are they called? Raveners count as, uh, infantry? Oh, they are infantry, yep. Yes. Even though they have huge bases. Yeah. 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 They're enormous. They're, I think they're a little bit bigger than a Tyranid warrior because they have yeah. the, stake, the uh, snake body. Yeah, they're, they're pretty big. They but they can still move through breachable ru ruins, so. They will move 20 and charge you. Yeah, there. That's actually the build my friend is practicing. He'll probably bring it to LVO. It's the uh, it's like two squads. Yeah, Kraken with like two squads of Zonethropes, two squads of Raveners. I want to say two squads of. Uh, he might even have two squads of Hive. Uh, not our Tyrant Guard. I was like, not Hive Guard. Those are the ranged one. Tyrant Guard. <laughs> Tyrant um, got a good. A squad of Biovores. One of, he, he's even bringing the terrain piece. There's so many oh, mortal the, wounds oh, that the list shit out. The same. Like, the spore mines and zone throps yeah, 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 shit yeah. out mortal wounds. The sporces, like Ugh. for those who don't know, actually spawns a ton of like spore mines every single turn. Six. It's, it's a very I think it's six every turn. Or it's a it, very real build um, for for three v three or something like that. I, it, I'm looking it's, at it's not an insane number. I think spore mines are quietly the best unit in that entire codex yep. just because <laughs> of how available they are for free. Yeah, spores is spawned six. six so of these good. Guys. That's just so good. You move within three, 
You roll for mortals based on each model. It affects units with fly, <laughs> and they never count for scoring. They're just, they're so good. You also choose when to, it, when to, to pop them. I think a tournament even ruled um, that the ones dropped by the harpy can move on the turn that they arrive. Hmm. I can't remember which one it was. That yeah, there's there's some complicated rules with the ones in the harpy, and so it depends upon the tournament. I do remember reading that somewhere. But um, that list, that's, that that list you just said is spawning six plus D three uh, mines every turn for free. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. It is pretty tough. There was, uh, I think, there was just a guy on one of the Art of Wars about uh, talking about his list that was centered around the spore assist. And how good it was. Yeah, so I, you, I'm not surprised to see it bi- showing up. The biovores up. are also good. You can spawn like an average of I think it's twelve mines with just one sporocyst and three biovores per turn. I talk about board control. Yeah, that's part of the reason actually. I'm bringing uh, the Eye of the Laughing God is Thousand Suns oh, yep. and the, the Thousand Suns plus Flamers build. Uh, you got to get that Mortal Wound protection because uh, in. Uh, that's the problem. That can also be a weakness in player place train. They can hide out of sight and play ranged games just like we can as Eldar. So it's a very and since Eldar tend to be more medium ranged, it's a very tricky game into a medium ranged opponent who's also playing ranged games with walls because they, you know, all their cat, almost all their casters either have fly or uh, are infantry. Yep. So that's uh, yeah. And speaking of uh, that, so that's how player place terrain works. Um, uh, it's a whole new way of play. I actually like it, kind of, but I kind of get why some people don't like it. You have to. It really depends upon the terrain you're playing with. Like we have what's called the wall, the uh, not the wall, the hill, locally, which uh, was a piece of terrain, as far as I know, invented for Smite Club Open earlier this year, and. Um, Technically, they just made... It's actually loosely based upon a piece that LVO uses, so they may be using these rules. But it's really interesting because it's an obscuring piece of... Um, uh, it's obscuring, but it's an obstacle that gives light cover. And it's long and thin. So uh, that's why it's the hill. It's not really a hill. It's more like a wall. But because it's obscuring, nothing can see past it. It's like maybe eight inches long in an oval and three inches wide. So like, if you can imagine that as an obscuring piece, it really affects how the game flows in a different way than an L or a ruin while still providing, and it's not breachable. So you got to go around it unless you're like Eldar, unless you're like Harlequins. So you can foot belt through it, but you can't normally move through it unless you will fly <laughs> or something like that. Like it really changes. It really feels like a, tactical strategic piece of terrain because you only get one your opponent gets one you have five pieces total so this is like often game defining and one thing that is neat about obscuring is uh it only actually blocks line of sight if the terrain piece is five inches or taller so if it's shorter than that even if it has obscuring but every tournament has the rule that you've treated as five inches or higher nobody oh, a lot okay. of the train was built in eighth edition or earlier when yep. that rule didn't exist so people just play it like that rule doesn't exist because that rule also exists for dense be, having to be three inches tall and you know some people want to have like two smoking vents which aren't going to be three, three inches tall yeah 
Just like yeah, as an example, sense. the smoking vents is a common one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, th that was a good thing to bring up, though, because that does matter if you don't have, like, a standard in your local play area. But generally, my experience has been both online and in person that that's not a rule people worry about. Yep, I, I haven't seen it come out at all. And, of course, always have a conversation with your opponent if, you, if you're playing a friendly game. And also make sure you know the rules for, terrain before ter uh, for a set tournament because you don't yeah, want it coming up in the middle of a game. I've had it come up in the middle of the game even when I thought my opponent knew what it was. He just had forgotten that it wasn't breachable when we were playing with uh, the hill. Uh-oh. Uh oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yes. <laughs> uh, a 4 in charge goes up to a 12. Good luck. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> other than just deal. talking about the meta, um, what other steps are you taking to kind of prepare to go to a major or a super major like LVO? Because so obviously it's a huge investment of time and resources to go there. Yeah, you um, got to get your army painted. You got to get your list ready ahead of time. Those sound small, but having been literally painting within 24 hours, of the, <laughs> like literally right before I leave for the plane, don't do that, kids. It's bad. You, you, you need a few good nights of sleep, low stress. You want to be going into there game face on if you want to win. Like, no, sure. Especially your first few, you're not going to be prepared as well as you'd like to be. So don't sweat that. Like, I only had my first uh, event where I had to fly to it uh, this May. And my second one is LVO coming up in January. So, like, it happens, you know? But being prepared. So drink lots of water, have comfy shoes, have uh, something to make it easy to move your army around the venue. Um, make sure, as they said, you looked up the terrain rules for the event, because a lot of events will have multiple styles of tables. Mm -hmm. And there will sometimes be different rules for the different styles of tables, or they'll just play differently. So you'll want to have at least done some pre, uh, pre -pra some practice where you're like, placing your guys on a table that's loosely accurate, even if you're just outlining it in, say, tape to the uh, tournament you're going for. But also, like, you got to get a hotel. Oh, my God. There's, like, my hotel was, like, over $150 in fees for Vegas. It's and a I was big like, investment. what the yep. F? Yeah. Nerds like, need to the... live somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> over a quarter of the price was additional fees. It was ridiculous. Like... I've, 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 I've booked a hotel before. It's not usually that expensive, but it's Las Vegas. So there's a bunch of hidden fees, you know, you gotta, oh, and you gotta yeah, have your plane. You you are you driving? Are you training? Are you taking a tra train? Are you taking a train? Don't take a train guys, probably, unless you're like able to take a couple days off work, at least in the U S now, if you're in the UK, I don't know how you get around. Maybe you fly around on hippogriffs or something. I don't know. I've only seen Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, Okay, that was a terrible joke. So how uh, <laughs> how early, uh, like how far before your tournament would you say is the right time to stop making major changes, stop trying different builds, and start just locking down your list and maximizing your uh, your competence with, with what you've got and what you're deciding to bring? Oh, I'm not the person point. to ask yeah. that. That's like, a, I'm a terrible, I, I, I one time changed my list two days before the major, or the GT, <laughs> and... The lists were already locked. I just wanted to run something fun that I discovered was legal. And I was like, can I run this? Because I normally can't. So I didn't make a list for it. I didn't even have all the stuff. I didn't even own all the models I needed for that list. So don't ask me. I'm terrible at that. Yeah, it honestly really varies from person to person. 
And so I'm the kind of person that sets myself at a hard deadline. I went to LVO back in 2019. So I, I went to the last LVO before quarantine. And I, I set my list, I want to say, I think I set my list pretty much a week before the deadline for lists turn in, whatever that ended up being. I think I had my list pretty much ironed out a week beforehand to really grind it, rep it, and make sure I was set that this is what I want, kind of reinforce my opinion of it. Some people, like Rob is saying, will literally change their list like minutes before submitting it. Like yeah. To put it in perspective, really though, for LVO, person. I have my list down to the last, there's 150 points of wiggle room I have now, and that's it. Well, technically, right. it's a little more like I could put the Warlocks on foot. That's the thing is it's like really 125 points of wiggle room unless I want to put one of my Farseer Warlocks on foot, which I don't think I do. So really, I've got I'm trying to decide whether I want Shining Spears or Shard Runners in my last slot. That's basically mm. my list is down to the last unit. Just what do I want to fill in there? So you're setting at least the skeleton, the, mm -hmm. getting the bones of the list done and playing your practice game. So you understand kind of what archetype, what your general game plan is going to be, how you're going to, to try to win games and try to play it. And then yeah. just making some final points tweaks that yeah. goes in. Don't make, I mean, my perspective is always not to make major changes. Like you've been practicing with this, you know your army well. You, maybe a new hotness comes out or maybe some, something comes down the pipeline, but just stick with what you know. That's gonna be. I, I feel. I find that that's gonna be way better and more consistent in your performance than it changes something that you may admit that you're not as well practiced with. Last minute. Especially since the balance team has done a fairly good job on the meta late, more in more recent times, and we're seeing a lot of the same players winning tournaments, but not necessarily a lot of the same factions or sub factions or lists uh -huh. winning tournaments. Which so I agree with. It, you. It, it is indicative of much of a much healthier metagame. Exactly. It, it comes down to pilot skill yeah. uh, a lot more. And because it's coming down to pilot skill, that does mean that someone who is very familiar and very confident with their one specific list, they know exactly what to expect and how to utilize all the units on the board, that person is going to be at a huge advantage yeah. because their, their armies can still be competitive, even if it is slightly suboptimal. And mm -hmm. how you're using those units will be more indicative of winning. So yeah, that's and that's really actually, cool. interestingly, along those lines, part of preparing for big events is going to smaller events. Yeah, uh, getting, <laughs> getting reps and then playing more than one game of Warhammer in, one, in, in, a, in an order, you know, like, so in a row. But also just playing a variety, like, when I go to a tournament, I play a much larger variety of lists than when I do TTS yeah. or play my friends. Because, you know, they do vary their lists and they do have a variety, but, you know, they all have armies they like. Like, I have one guy who's awesome bob i should ask him if he wants to come on here on here sometime he'd be great uh he uh has a 3d printer now so he now plays every army oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh he for prepping in may he was willing to play custodes for me and like uh he's the one i played uh he's starting squats but he's probably going to go to lvo as thousand suns plus flamers okay. which he's already playing thousand suns he's not like all he's doing is adding flamers to his list which, I mean, does change the list, but he's still got, like, a very similar skeleton. And, like, he's been playing Thousand Suns for a while. He's even got... Anyways, the point is, you even if you have people who are willing to help you, like, run special lists, you're not... There's going to be... When you go to an actual tournament, you're going to run into the wackiest stuff, yeah. man. You will see free Bane Blades or something weird like that. Yeah. You're going to see the wackiest stuff. Like, Forge World, all kinds of stuff. Okay. So... 
On that note, yeah, try to go to a GT or at least a couple RTTs with your list before you go to a major, let alone a super major. Like, some people prep for a super major by going to a small major. <laughs> like a major, like, yeah. you, you prep for Nova by going to a 80-person tournament. <laughs> yeah. One thing I would, uh, I would like to kind of touch on there is you saying getting that variety of play in. Is there anything specific that you do in terms of researching rules or researching certain build archetypes that are popular in the meta to make sure that when you get to that tournament, you're not suddenly running into Imperial Knights for the first time and have no idea how their honor system works or whatever other mechanics they, they use and in, in like you know, the end of game scoring and such. Do you do a lot of research on kind of popular builds or, or metas or talented players that have shown well at tournaments? I try to, but yeah. I know personally I have trouble. Like uh, my first game into Imper- my second game ever into Imperial Knights was very different than my first game, so I was not ready. Even though I knew they had a giant an- annihilation stratagem, I was not ready for the Incarn to suddenly get no showed and do half a uh, mini knights uh, wounds in melee of all things, and then get annihilated by a giant mortal wound laser. Like I knew they could kind of, I knew they could annihilate a w- unit. But, like, I don't know. It's different when you're on the board. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a big laser that just blew me up. <laughs> I, I remember, like, being driving. Uh, this is back in Seattle last May. Like, I remember driving to the tournament, listening to Alex Madugo talk about his tournament list, knowing that I was going to be matching to him in 30 minutes. And, like, hearing him talk about auto strategy was very different than when he actually played it on the, on the table. And you just need to experience it for yourself what it looks like when a land fortress shoots at you to really appreciate how much damage <laughs> all being blasted by like nine zone flips if you're, if you're playing against that, that list which is oh my god holy fuck <laughs> uh, you, you, people just don't realize like, I, I tell people about the Kazakhan combo on TTS and IRL and they're like cool cool you know you kill whatever and I'm just like okay now they telephone and they're like oh shit you know I told them that but then until they see it they're like oh fuck I think it's the same with flamers you know the giant the the big uh, lot of change with like the devil mortal wounds using the um, double inferno gateway. There are all these combos that are out there that are very damaging, very powerful, very synergistic, and you don't really appreciate what they can do until you see it being done to you. Yeah, reps, 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 reps. reps. You know, you guys know how it goes. All right. <laughs> to piggyback off of what Rob was saying before, and to kind of answer Clanky's question a little more completely, like Rob and I are both very privileged to live in the meta that we do. That you know, Rob lives in a very densely populated area with some high-profile players. I live in you know the Northeast in Northeast Pennsylvania. I have a lot of you know Beast Coast remnant, a lot of current Art of War people that come to my RTTs, that come to my GTs. So we have the privilege of having a very diverse physical plastic meta. But if that's not something you do, link up with your TTS community. Find a friend who's willing to just put those. T- uh, armies on the table watch bat reps read um you know breakdowns and codex reviews just get familiar with keywords with synergies and with interactions that way you're not blindsided and that way you see these things as they progress on the table instead of just being thrown into your face yeah and on that note uh we've mentioned chaos so we're gonna this is our special guest this clanky today and he is an ex-emperor's children player turned harlequin so why don't you talk to us about uh one I mean, Emperor's Children. I know you probably haven't played the Emperor's Children plus Flamers build yourself because that's pretty new. And but uh, like, what is it like switching to Harlequins? When I switched to Harlequins, I switched to mixed Eldari in like, like not all the codexes. Like all the codexes, I think one codex still wasn't out in Eighth Edition when I switched. So like, that was a very different, you know, 
we've talked about that uh, in earlier episodes, Batty and I, how our experience switching to pure Harlequins. Yeah. But that was a long time ago. What is it like with the new Codex? Well, first off, no, I do not ever use flamers because I am just not that kind of guy. I don't, I don't think bringing Zinch demons with Emperor's children, while it is absolutely allowed according to the rules. Ah, a fellow purist. There's, there's two, two kinds of people, you know, where fluff is something that they jam in the books in between pages of rules, mm-hmm. and uh, and people that really love it, and I just can't turn my back on it. But I'm the same way. I have played uh, a fair amount of Emperor's Children. Um, I probably put in six months of getting steady reps uh, a few games a week. And so with them, it taught me a lot about, one, how to kind of project your what your force is going to accomplish. Um, Chaos-based Marines aren't that fast, Uh they have limited access to kind of enhanced mobility through stratagems and whatnot. But you really do have to plan out what you're going to do, and you have to plan out on where all your units are going to be. One of my favorite things about switching to Harlequins was that's not really a concern anymore. Uh, I almost never have to think more than one turn ahead in terms of mobility, because if I need to, okay, I can just pop that uh, that Star Weaver a quick 22 inches across the board. Or pick up my troop bob and use a luck dice on a re, uh, to re-roll the advance and get them fl- just flying. Or, you know, send that foot in the future troop master some stupid, like, 20-inch threat range without, <laughs> any kind, without any chance of failing whatsoever. Yeah. Like, uh, so that's been a big, a, a big benefit. Uh, I do feel kind of lucky that when I switched in, I switched after the kind of the latest batches of nerfs. So, I don't you have to... You buy nine Void Weavers, you mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, that, I find, is actually very beneficial when starting an army. It's picking something that is very strong, but has already taken kind of the brunt of the nerfs. It means I don't have any of that false expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing worse than getting used to playing with units at a certain strength level, and then suddenly that gets taken away. And though even though they might be quite strong and still be very efficient and a very good unit you overestimate your damage and yeah yeah, (laughs) exactly like you've seen what it's like when they were overpowered and now that they're somewhat balanced even though they're still one of the best units in the book or in the game they don't feel good anymore and and getting to avoid that has definitely allowed me to just enjoy it and just enjoy playing with this really kind of fun cool looking ignore all the core rules and do whatever you want kind of an army uh and i'm very happy very happy that that's the case wow that's cool to hear yeah um coincidentally playing i mean technically you guys know i play anari at the moment even though i love quins actually fun fact i just discovered i have five boats built and painted not three (laughs) <laughs> or, well, three built, three built and painted, two unpainted. I forgot I had the two unpainted, so I actually can play Harlequins pure. Uh, I'm just an idiot, and I forgot that. So uh, <laughs> I thought I didn't have enough. I thought I sold off too much of my Harlequins when I was uh, uh, doing some stuff this summer, and it turns out I didn't. So uh, I will be bringing you news about Dark, hopefully, uh, in a few months. I'm going to try them out again and see if they can be made to work, maybe even just as an Ari, I don't know. But... 
Dark, the reason I bring that up is because Dark is a great example of the feels bad now. You feel bad when you don't fight on death and you had to fight on death. Like, that's just like huge feels bad right there. I cannot express how feels bad it was to lose. I can imagine. Absolutely. Um, Because there's also like the mental game. Like your opponent knew it. You knew it. Like you could play around. (sighs) Yeah. And that feels bad is such a such a poor foot to kind of start a game off on. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Another big benefit of switching over to Harlequins and, and switching over after all those nerfs is being able to look at everything with fresh eyes without any of kind of the chatter that's been there for the last year mm. um, while the codex went through all these nerfs and all these changes uh, and as the meta shifted i can look at units without without there already being a conclusion right yeah, yeah having those fresh eyes like that was a large part of the problem with anari i think was a lot of us who did play right. anari for funsies looked at the new incarn and we were like this is not my incarn Turns out it's like uh, pretty good. It's like Sunshark Bombers, right? I mean, they they didn't change in the Codex at any point, but all of a sudden they started showing up in almost every competitive Tau list. They were always that good. I saw Sunshark Bombers were great, and I thought they were great, and nobody believed me (laughs) because I don't play Tau anymore, but I played them back in the day, and I thought Sunshark Bombers were close to good, and then in the new Codex they looked amazing. I'm actually uh, getting my old towel back from a friend sometime in the next few months uh, who, uh, uh, anyways, and uh, I want to add some Sunshark Bombers to that list, even if they get nerfed, because they just seem, they're such a cool, they've got ion rifles on a plane that drops, but it's just so cool. I love it. <laughs> I like how they sold out and they're like hundred bucks when you go on eBay. Yeah, I'm going to wait a few mm. months. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another big benefit of kind of doing that change, getting the, the multi-army experience, if you will, they focus on very different phases in very different ways. Like Emperor's Children really helped drill down on understanding fight phase mechanics, on how to utilize fight phase mechanics, on how to recognize kind of turning points at the battle where you need to switch your focus from survivability into getting some burst mobility and how to really look at that field and take in the state of the battle and and make the right call. And that lends itself so well to such a flexible army like Harlequins. And then Harlequins, as much as it sounds weird to say, had to really force me to drill down on the movement phase mm-hmm. you've got to be so careful and so understanding of how to predict how far your opponents can move and how to really watch your angles and be able to plan out that at least be within striking distance of flipping objectives away from them or being in the right place to get that behind enemy lines and deadly performance it also was very nice to switch from a faction with more or less garbage secondaries and you always take generics to suddenly switching to a faction that has excellent secondaries <laughs> man is it it feels like cheating <laughs> yeah secondaries are so important to the game balance right now i think uh in necrons were interesting in the sense that uh they they didn't balance them as well as they could have but they realized that secondaries are a balance tool they can use to help an army like, first off, they gave them all core. Like, I get they've been trying, they've been throwing buff after buff after buff at Necrons, and it's still not enough, seemingly. Although, at the high level of play, it may be enough. It's just that there's too many, I think, uh, contrary to what people on Reddit say, the argument that Necrons and Space Marines have too many new players, it, or too many casual players and new players is probably true. Uh, just gonna be honest there. 
Uh, it brings their win rates down. But... That's that's why win rate is uh, stats are only ever half a story. Exactly. Especially with such, we don't have that many people playing this game, guys. Especially like, competitively, like we're, it's a niche or yeah. a niche. Yeah, like th- there's a lot more people playing competitive than there has ever been in the past. But like, they're they're we're counted in the thousands. I think not the tens of thousands. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we're counted in the thousands still, not tens of thousands. So even like, thousands is uh, that's the, a big. But once you only have people running, most of those thousands are only aren't even running one game a week. You're very right, and uh, it definitely makes a big difference. Not getting, not having the reps, not understanding it, like not not being an experienced player, and then trying to pick up an army like Necrons that does rely on maxing your secondaries, and then not really worrying about any other part of the game <laughs> is a recipe for disaster. Although that's because you have to be focused. You do, I mean, Harlequins in some ways are similar too. Like, you you're really focused on points, not necessarily kills. Absolutely, and uh, and that's that's definitely been very nice. I think one of the biggest things that Games Workshop can do to improve the overall meta is to kind of buff some of the generic secondaries a little bit. I think every faction should be able to take one or two generics and reasonably expect to score 10 points if they play their game well. Engage I think is so that's... bad right now. Oh my god. Oh, Engage yeah. is so bad, for example. Or like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, retrieve data. Uh, I mean, I there are a lot of people. I remember R&D or whatever we call it. R- Rod, R&D. Knockman. Knockman. We should Knockman data was the data. one that was great. Yeah. Like, Retrieve Knockman data was very popular. Yeah, and before that we had uh, ROD. We, we, it's, the point is, we, they did nerf the overly powerful secondaries. And ironically, some of that was nerfs originally aimed at Harlequins before we got our custom secondaries. We were some of the biggest abusers of some of those back in the day. But like, it almost feels like there's too few secondaries. Like maybe they could afford to do three secondaries per category instead of two. Yeah, some of them are definitely lacking. I don't, yeah. like, they need new ideas, though. That's part of it. Like, I don't know what you do for a third in right. scouting, for example. I, I do it, like it actions, would... but they just need to figure something out. Because right now, it's just really stale. Yeah, like, I'm always taking Raise the Banners if I'm not. Like, Raise the Banners is just so much better than Retrieve Data. Like, they're not comparable. And you either can do behind enemy lines, or you're probably not doing uh, a second, or you're doing a custom secondary from that category, and that's it. Those are pretty much your options. Engage is just dog. Yep. Yes. And I think there's a, there's a big unrealized potential for defensive focused secondaries, if you will. Yeah. Like th- there's a lot of factions, like Death Guard, for instance, where the reason why they're not performing as well as they sh- could. They shouldn't perform, have to be the beatdown. There should be they, There should be secondary. There should be armies that are forced to be the beatdown because of the secondaries they take, and armies that don't have to be the beatdown because of the secondaries they take. Exactly. Something that allows that rewards kind of holding some midfield objectives for a long period of time, right? Like rewards feeding your troops into it. I think that could really be a big benefit for a lot of the lower tier factions that uh, that aren't quite there. And I don't know, it's interesting to try to look at secondaries and look at game balance from the perspective of 
playing a couple armies rapid fire like that. Um, and it's been really interesting to try to kind of theorycraft ways to bring other factions in line, especially since I'm lucky enough to be playing two very powerful factions at the moment. It's definitely what's keeping God alive, like in an old book as well, where the yeah, secondaries were good enough where they were passive, so they didn't need to beat down with Godsmen. And they had some shooting so they can play the defensive game. I'm not sure how this interacts with a new uh, book, but having like determining who the beatdown is is huge in terms of just having a fair fair game. It it's really feels bad if one faction can be both like in your opponent's face, score their objectives, and also do it while scoring all their secondaries. That that really synergistic. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely why Harlequins have been pretty oppressive to a lot of like anybody who isn't a fairly high level player already mm-hmm. is just always going to struggle playing against harlequins because they can they're going to score so many points while also having great offensive output and also having access to great resilience when used properly like if you don't know their tricks and how to play around them it's tough. it can be very disheartening uh, to give to give GW some credit, they took Stranglehold away from us as well as to the last. Yes, <laughs> which, which Stranglehold was... <laughs> and to the last needed to go. We were we There's actually nothing. got to the last change multiple times and then removed basically as Harlequin. I like, was... We were the to the last abuse. I remember telling everyone in the server just upgrade all your HQs and then just sit them in the back like easy game, <laughs> easy life. Yeah, my hundred and five point model is one of my two to the last. Right, exactly. With a Shao Seer upgraded, you're just like okay, she's she's sitting in the back. Yep. No, but I do, uh, but I do think DG need like the DG have one good secondary, and then they're at all, and then they're just trying to run at you and kill you because they, they can't score any other way. Yeah. Yeah. And they're too slow. <laughs> they can't run fast enough. Literally they're, six rhinos. Their large, diseased legs are too. They're, they're too chunky. Too much. They're down with the thickness. Yeah, it's, they're down with the thickness. It's an extreme example, but it just shows like, hey, you know, you're playing DG. You know, you're not you're not Don Hoon soon. You're not, you don't have maybe seven rhinos in your in your in your collection, and you're, it's on you to run to your opponent and kill them in order to win. Like that for me, that's just like, I think that's something that they can change in a game design level. Exactly. There there should just be a way for them to uh, a way for the game designers to write some rules in that empowers these slow armies to play a game that suits their play style as opposed to trying to have to f- or having to play a game and fail at copying factions like harlequins right. that are built for ninth edition they're just death guard are never going to beat harlequins at that game at exactly. that board control mobility yeah. game and so they shouldn't have to they should have ways to at least make the game competitive without having to totally break from the entire concept of why the army was designed around. Speaking of building, guys, I have done no building the past month. Uh, no painting, but I did, as I said, decide on my list. So now I know what to build and paint. But, uh, so now you have to frantically scramble for the next three weeks. I have two months! Oh, okay, that's fair. Almost two months. Like, a little under two months. Like, a month and three quarters. But uh, are you really what are you guys doing when it advantage? comes to building and painting, or even just planning your building and painting? I ordered four executioner rusts on Etsy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to switch to a desert scheme. I want to do a desert scheme. That's always that's kind of in my heart, something I wanted to do. But I'm still deciding on like more details about that. So I am switching my scheme like I originally expected, but it's not going to be the scheme I thought I was switching to. 
my my favorite god hobby moment came when I was discussing with a local player about what he was taking with a new book, and I was like, hey, I have 3,000 points of god, I'm, I'm sure I figured something out for our next RTT, and he's like, what? 3,000 points? I'm like, yeah, and I asked him how many points he had, and he had 12,000. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're a filthy casual. Only like, these god players, I'm just guard? like, holy shit, like, you know, coming back from 4th edition, he had LED lights on all his Bane blades, I'm just like, holy fuck. Yeah, guards players go hard, man. That's why there's all the third party minis for. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they're a uh, they're a passion army for they sure. They are yeah, like I remember going one army I faced, every single infantry squad was a different type of guard infantry. He had every type of guard oh, infantry God. ever released. <laughs> and then all his other units. So like one of his sentinels was a little Jeep, which is, you know, one silhouette, <laughs> but it's an RTT, so who cares? Like all his models were somehow unique. That's awesome. I've been uh, delving into the the harrowing experience of trying to magnetize Harlequin troops. Oh, I've done that. I can tell you. I'm redoing that, and I'm have except by me, I mean the friend I'm paying to redo my Harlequins because the magnets (laughs) of their arms are too little, so I have to convert my current Harlequins to something I don't know what, and then (laughs) I'm getting 24 new Harlequins made total. It sucks, but you'll not regret it because. The next, the next, the next, uh, the next edition. I bet like neuro disruptors will get changed again. Yeah, oh yeah, no, neuro disruptor Harlequin blade meta. In the long run, it's so worth it. Even if it's in, even when the long run is a few years, I don't want to be buying thirty Harlequins every three years or four years. Right, or whatever. exactly. I will give a huge shout out to Red Rocket, both in the Harlequins Discord and on. I want to. He may be our guest next month. Actually, uh, I'm going to be talking to him about that. But uh, yes, his his tutorials and painting advice and everything has been hugely helpful in planning out and making it feel more accessible. Um, the Harlequins community overall. I was a little bit nervous about it going in because they are such a competitive army. But a lot of the players just love Harlequins. The yeah. meta chaser seems to have all moved on, and now the people we that are still didn't there. We didn't get many of those during the boom, to be brutally honest with you. I don't know. And who even the had... few we got were actually really great conversations. They were like really yeah. like, talkative, and I liked them. They're gone yep. now, but they were nice people. Are they on Votan now? <laughs> I don't know what they're. <laughs> they're all Red playing Tyranids, man. Actually, speaking of Red Rocket, he was doing some great troll posts into the Votan discord and then he would post them over here and it was just like he was so obviously sarcastic yet they didn't get it and i was like man they are on so much copium about the nerfs they are dwarves (laughs) (laughs) they do know how to hold a grudge (laughs) (laughs) and they're still over 60 they were what 61 percent winners this weekend god well anyways next time i think we're going to talk more about hobbying so uh I'm going to have a lot to talk about with my uh, progress made. Uh, I hope you guys have more to talk about as well. And thank you for joining us, Clanky. It was my pleasure, guys. Had a great time. Cheers, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I really do appreciate all the time we had to talk. I know I didn't get to say as much as I usually do, but you guys really had it on lock, talking about Votan, talking about Guard, and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, just want to reiterate thank you as well, Clanky. It was a, a really great pleasure. We're going to look forward to having you back at some point. Uh, Gabe, thank you for giving us your insight on guard as a first-hand player. Rob, you're here. So uh, you want to want to give uh, give your outros and then we'll say goodbye? Remember, guys, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Don't ask me why you're keeping the doctor away. Doctors are important. You should stop eating apples. So, uh, yeah, apples are bad. Unless you're a horse. But hay is for horses, so you never know. 
I'm cutting all that. Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, be afraid of motors. Watch those angles. Phantasm when appropriate. Clanky. Oh, uh... Thanks again for having me, and, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. It has been a pleasure indeed, guys. Thank you all, and we will see you all next time. Have a great one.